Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. So this morning we're going to be in Revelation 21. It's the last book in the Bible. (laughs) Revelation 21. And the last time we... Actually, we've been in this chapter. This will be the third sermon. Try not to rush it because New Jerusalem is... And people are like, what's New Jerusalem? Right? This is an area or an era of time. And it's so cool how God gives us the future before it takes place. You realize that in the last year, things have happened in uh, our world and our country that are moving towards the fulfillment of Scripture. It's actually, we live in exciting times. It's kind of a mixed bag because you turn on the TV and you see sorrow and sadness. But we also know that, you know, the Lord has greater things for us and for all people who trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior. So he gives us an idea of what's going on today, but he's also giving us an idea of what's going on in the future. Uh, so there's a, and we, and we covered all this in the previous chapters, the remaking of the heavens and the earth. Um, you know, we, the earth is beautiful and, and I've talked about this, uh, but it's in a sin cursed fallen state. So God's going to remake everything, make it beautiful, make it gorgeous. Uh, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more death. The former things have passed away. Uh, we read that again, something to look forward to as believers, something to give, people that we know that we love hope co-workers uh, family members etc well how come you're not falling apart through all this madness well because this is what the scripture says god wants us to have that hope right so with the new heavens and the new earth come this city to us it's odd because it's it sort of it's it sort of hovers above it's not built yet of course or maybe it is and he just hasn't revealed it yet but it sort of does it orbit the earth like the moon right if you actually study the properties of the moon, it's actually quite fascinating how it, you know, it's different than other moons and other uh, planets. Uh, but so does this city hover? Does it orbit? What does it do? Well, we don't know a whole lot except for what we read in the scripture. So there's the New Jerusalem. Now, in this church, we're not afraid to correct our mistakes. You're like, what's coming? <laughs> no, I didn't misquote a scripture, uh, but I said last Sunday or the last time I taught, my wife is laughing, is that, uh, you know, talking about how beautiful the earth is in the spring and the buds. And every morning we get up and we look at the trees and the buds coming out. And I said, we planted all of our vegetables. And she said after service, she goes, don't tell them that. There's still some cold days. And we didn't plant all of our vegetables. So I made a mistake. Um <laughs> If you spent your life's savings on putting stuff in the ground and it's supposed to get like 37 degrees on Thursday and you lose it, my fault, I'll reimburse you. <laughs> so, but just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Uh, so we do, we're very, we try to, I listen to, we listen to our messages afterwards and if we make mistakes, we do try to correct them even if they're not spiritual mistakes. So we're going to look at the rest of the New Jerusalem, right? We're going to look at the the properties of the New Jerusalem. You know, people try to allegorize, spiritualize. But when you look at the details of this chapter, God gives us so much details. This isn't something you could dismiss because, you know, some lazy theologians don't want to take the, the time to really delve into what's going on. 
Um, but we're going to look at this in five parts, and let's check out some of the things about it. Verse 18 to the end, it says, And the construction of its wall, this city, was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald. I personally think sapphires and emeralds are gorgeous. I don't have any, but I've seen them. The fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual pearl was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb were its temple. Remember, this is John the Apostle. He's being shown things in the future. He's being shown things that probably if he, if he could reach out, he would be like, boy, this is so amazing. I could just, I could practically touch it. What state he was in? How did God do it? We have no idea, but he told John, write these things down. And this was roughly 1900 years ago to give, you know, future believers hope, no matter what type of persecution or personal things we go through. You know, God is a God of hope, true hope. So there's no temple, right? God and the Lamb, God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. Lamb, of course, meaning Christ. Jesus is always known as the Lamb because he, what, it, what was the signature thing that Jesus Christ did is that he died for our sins. So he will always be known throughout eternity of the one who came from heaven, fully God, fully man, who died for our sins and we can enjoy eternity because of him. So he's often referred to as the lamb, even in his glorified state, right? And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. See, a lot of changes here. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So one out of five is the beauty of New Jerusalem. This is a beautiful place. The earth is going to be beautiful, much more even beautiful than this present uh, creation. The heavens are going to be changed, right? We looked and we saw in Genesis the hydrosphere, which gave rise to a perfect tropical environment, no matter where you are on the planet. Um, they're still finding flash-frozen animals with vegetation in their stomach, right? What, what does that indicate, right? Vegetation rots. But to be flash-frozen and to be still green and, and verdure and, and, you know, um, almost you could eat it, right? It had to be a flash freezing. And that's what happened during the flood. The hydrosphere came down. There's a whole scientific, um, you know, topographical, geological explanation to what happened and how the earth is and how we find artifacts today. So I can surmise about what I think God might do, but at the end of the day, I can only tell you definitively what the scripture says. No pastor, no Bible teacher is going to do this justice. It is designed to give us hope. It isn't designed to answer all the little tiny intricacies because ultimately God knows it's going to be great. Uh, so we see the beauty of the new Jerusalem and we covered all the way up to verse 17, the last two Sundays. 
But here in verses 18 through 21, we see something interesting. We see walls, foundations, gates, apparently uh, gorgeously arrayed with these gems, these uh, translucent stones, some we're familiar with, some uh, we translate them and we, we're not really sure. There could be some things that are literally out of this world that God created outside of this creation. And again, John's doing his best to describe these things. But when we see it, it's going to be amazing. So we, what do we find here? We find red, blues, uh, greens, golds, yellows, black, white, pearl. And again, they're not just colors, right? Recently, my wife does the designing in our home and she said, we got to change the color of our front door. So she went with this color, and it's kind of cool. It pops, right? That's, we both have our different strengths. Um, but we used latex paint, you know what I'm saying? And it, it looks really cool, but it's just latex paint. When we see these colors, they're going to be mesmerizing. You know, people have still, I guess they still have, I, I looked it up, they still have light shows where you could be mesmerized and dazzled by light. You know, you say you see the regular light spectrum and how it through prismatic glass and different technology, it's divided into its component parts. Right. Roy G. Biv, uh, the colors of the spectrum when it's uh, refracted and it's divided uh, in Exodus 28, the high priest wore a, a breastplate and you see similar diversity in those stones on his breastplate. So you see a lot of themes here that they keep repeating themselves. That's why it's good to read the whole Bible. You know, reading the whole Bible, especially when you get to a book like Revelation, it encompasses all the other books, Old Testament, New Testament, collectively. It's pretty neat stuff. So in verse 18, and again, I just pick up on these things. Verse 18, he says, it was like clear glass. Verse 21, he said, it was like transparent glass, like, you know, John's like, I'm doing the best I can to describe this to all of you as I write it down. He sees beautiful things about New Jerusalem, and he's doing his best to explain them. Now, remember, John was persecuted. He was banished to the Isles of Patmos. He was tortured. And we understand that he eventually died a, a death of a, an elderly man. So he didn't have a great life at the end. After the Lord ascended into heaven, the Romans came down heavily on the church. But here, John is, it doesn't matter. He could bear scars. He could bear burn marks. He is just seeing what the Lord is going to do, and he's just in a moment, you know. Um, and, and that's why, listen, let's go back to application, right? You turn on the evening news at any given moment, it's all negative. It's like, do they ever share positive stories? There's positive things going on out there. Everything's negative, and there's a reason for that, okay? Um, we want to share the positive side. Now, not that we are introducing people into some make-believe and to make them feel better to feel better. But this is the truth, right? And the truth of God gives us hope. Not the world doesn't give us any hope, especially these days. So again, let's just, and I, do, I like to go into history, the Roman empire. And the truth is that um, glass making was a thing during the Roman empire. As a matter of fact, glass making predates the Roman Empire. So uh, mankind has known how to make glass for a long time. So John would have totally understood this concept. Glass can be made naturally, right? Uh, glass can be made artificially through humans manipulating it. But John is doing his best to use uh, 
earthly things to explain a spiritual experience. So John, like me, we're going to fall short when we describe this stuff. So again, refraction, uh, the, you know, the dividing of colors, it's really an amazing thing. The electromagnetic spectrum, the things that God has set up, science, right? He just set everything up like a well-oiled machine, like a perfectly running clock. And it's beautiful. So God's glory is emitted all around the new Jerusalem. And my conjecture is that this light and this beauty is emitted throughout the entire creation. So just keep your ears up for when I say my conjecture, I'm sort of and again, it's, it's okay within the realm of teaching is I'm saying, well, this is what I think. Okay. When the Bible says this is what is, that's going to be what is. Where there is gray areas, I might say, well, this is what I think. You could take that or leave it. But definitely, definitely what the Bible says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So I believe that uh, the glory of his, his light and his beauty is going to be spread throughout the new creation. You can see God's signature here. We, we see that in Romans. It tells us that. You definitely can see God's signature handiwork in this creation. But remember, it's in a fallen state. So it's occluded. The Apostle Paul says that, you know, uh, those who don't know the Lord, that there's sort of a blinding that takes place. It could be right in front of them, but they don't see it for what it is. But here, it's going to be no mistake. It's a different dispensation. Sin is going to be eradicated. Okay, so what do we know about God? And we, we've covered this. God is spirit. God is truth. God is love. God is light. And I'm just saying from reading this, God is beauty. Right? You ever hear beauty is in the eye of the beholder? People see different things and find, oh, I think that's beautiful. Oh, I don't. My wife and I were, uh, she had this print. And she goes, I think that's beautiful. I'm like, I, I don't think it's beautiful. Like, we usually agree on stuff. But, uh, but when, when we see the beauty of God, there's going to be no disagreement. There's not going to be this camp says, well, God could do a better job. You know, it's going to be incredible. So God is beauty. Um, and his beauty comes with his glory. And my opinion is that his light of his glory interacts with these gems and spreads this beauty all throughout his kingdom. That's pretty wild. It really is. Verse 21, the street of the city was pure gold. Now, what do we know about gold? It's rare. It's precious. Uh, it's used. It's malleable. It's ductile. Uh, there's a whole industry of gold leafing because it's expensive. You can, you know, hammer it to a very fine. It's just the way the properties of gold is. Gold leafing was used even in the ancient times. Gold leafing was used in the temple. And when you uh, leaf gold and make it almost translucent, um, when the light interacts with it, it's gorgeous. You know, if you ever just, you know, image, go into your search engine and look up gold leafing or light and gold, and you'll see some pretty amazing things. So what do we know about gold today in addition to that? Sadly enough, we know that humans have killed each other since the beginning of time to get gold. However... That's not going to exist anymore. In this, no, no sin, no murder, nothing like that. But in this dispensation, gold on the streets, gold will be as common as asphalt is to New Jerseyans, right? Wherever you go in New Jersey, there's asphalt and concrete everywhere. That's the way gold is going to be. And then, listen, there's some, I, I like working with concrete. I like watching it cure and, you know, seeing the job that I did building things. Uh, but 
there's no beauty like fine hammered gold. So it's just going to be gorgeous, right? Actually, in August of 2020, did you know that gold went up to over $2,000 an ounce? Gold has skyrocketed in the last, really, 20 years. Uh, in 1999, it was around 300 an ounce. It's really shot up there. It's going up again. An ounce is it's like nothing, right? But what do we know about God's creation? We know that gold, gems, what's precious here in 2021 will be superfluous there, Right? I was changing the channels, and there's this show, I guess, I don't know, these gold rushers. I couldn't do what they do. I, I like to see results fast, and they, they run through all these stones and, you know, stuff in these mountains through these machines. And they go, oh, look. And they find, like, a little tiny piece of gold, and they put it in their container. And they got to get so much to pay for the machines and, and make a day's wage. To me, that would be a sentence. I could not, I just don't have the patience for that. So, um, but here it's just everywhere, right? I want to just kind of, let's talk about spiritual things, right? Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Jesus says something very interesting. Because people had the mindset back then too, you know, and to, 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 and it's, listen, we, we should save having a pension, a 401k, whatever. That's fine. You know, we think, well, gee, how long am I going to live? How much money do I need? There's nothing wrong with that. But it's the obsession over the things we accumulate here that becomes problematic. Um, seeing death for so many years, I can tell you that People passed away. A lot of them didn't expect it. And many a house has been filled with dumpster loads fill of stuff everywhere. Because sometimes, but by nature as human beings, we become hoarders. You know, we, we accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. What does Jesus says? He tries to get us to uh, change our perspective. Because the stuff that we accumulate here is only for here. But the things we accumulate towards God last into eternity. So he tries to get us to, to change our perspective. In verse 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. And inflation can kill what's in your bank account, too. So, you know, there's a lot of perils with what we lay up here. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So a great portion of scripture. And I guess my question to us is, what are we storing up here? Right? How much is enough? How much of it becomes an obsession? where that's all we focus on. And then even as believers, we're still pulled by those strong physical temporal draws. And we become ineffective. We can become ineffective for the kingdom of heaven because we're so focused on earthly stuff. Amen? So we got to look at, into this. You know, what are we storing up uh, for in heaven? Are we, do we know what our spiritual gifts are? Are we using our gifts? Are we trying to somehow bring comfort to people who are hurting and struggling? Um, people are losing their jobs. People are, you know, unemployed. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on in New Jersey uh, the, and, and the rest of the country, to, for that matter. 
And again, like I mentioned before, an, an economics major in college, uh, superinflation, regular inflation, if you have a few thousand dollars in your bank account, depending on how bad inflation gets, it could be worth half of that in a year. You know, and unfortunately, the way money's being printed, um, that's what's going to happen. Other countries buying our debt. So we're seeing things today that you just have to let it go. You know, and, and I, I think about that, too. You know, it's like, all right, I got this much in the bank. I got this much coming in. And it's just like, you know, whatever. You got to be smart. But at the same time, you can't obsess over it. Right. I mean, everything is a balance in life. So, I mean, now they're talking about, and again, I've thrown this in there, uh, Davos Agenda, World Economic Forum, uh, global monetization. What is that going to look like? Well, when the, when the European countries, Western Europe, went to the euro, some countries got hit very hard because they had to assess their economies and what their monetary value was worth. But everybody's got to go into the euro, so that means you're going to get what kind of rate of return are you going to get on your individual uh, you know, piece of money to get into the euro. And a lot of people got hurt. A lot of people got hurt. A few crashes ago, my mom had money in a 401k. Uh, she's a nurse, and uh, she lost a lot, a huge percentage of her savings. This world is an unstable place, folks. You know, the people in power are always going to be insulated. But at our level, you know, this is, this is, these are the perils. So why obsess over it? Do the best you can. I'm not saying don't. But at the same time, our, our, more, our more primary focus needs to be the things of God. So here we're talking about what the New Jerusalem looks like. We're talking about gems. We're talking about 2021. And everything has to be put into perspective. So jumping into verse 22, I'll read that again. So John says, I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So two out of five is there's no temple the temple temple something interesting because this was a place where you know god humans screw up you know we sin uh, we cause our own problems it's been happening since the beginning and god has always been the type of god he's a relational god he always wants to get to get close to us he he wants to fix like any good parent when we mess up but we also have free will so there's only so much he can do he can set the system up and it's up to us to either engage with him and get close to him or not. So what is a temple? Well, a lot of religions of the world have temples. A temple is a place where you meet God, so to speak. If you look at the wilderness wandering, it was a tabernacle. It was more of a uh, portable temple that would, they, you know, God would tell them stop here and they would set up camp. Um, and, you know, the Shekinah glory and the glory of God and, and the priest. And, and it was pretty fascinating. And then uh, under King Solomon, it became a uh, permanent structure, right? The Holy of Holies and the, the manifestations were an amazing thing. So this is the temple. However, there's no temple here because that's how close the Lord is to us. There's no special class. There's no need for priests. Um, Jesus was our ultimate high priest, right? He was the sacrifice for our sins, but he also was the priest to officiate the sacrifice to appease the Father that our sins would be forgiven. That's why it's so important to come to Christ. First um, Corinthians six nineteen tells us that our bodies as Christians is a temple of the Holy Spirit. This pitfalls with that too, not on God's end, but on ours. Think about this: is because even today, as sinners, we still, in the Bible, says it. We can, we shouldn't, but we can choose to uh, be in the flesh. 
because we're still tied to this body that is bound by sin. How do we know? Because we all die. In the beginning, nothing died. Only when sin entered the world. So we understand that we, we're, uh, we're really trichotomous beings, but for the most part, we have uh, a, a still a sin nature, but we also are, are born again of the Spirit of God. Uh, so what does the Bible tell us? Yes, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. However, the Bible tells us, and again, I don't recommend it, but we, we do it as Christians because sometimes we want our own way or we just go, go off on these sinful tangents. But we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can go through this life as Christians and have pockets of or periods of time where we want to do what we want to do and we kind of suppress the influence of God. Now, in this dispensation, in the future, this isn't going to be an issue anymore because not, we're not going to be bound to the bodies of sin. We're going to have new bodies. Um, and there's not going to be sin. This, Christians will never or the redeemed will never have an issue where they're wrestling with their flesh. It's just not going to happen anymore, according to the scripture. So this is all good news. But it's good news, but it's also not fantasy and fairy tale. It's very detailed. Right. God has rules that he's established. You know, God couldn't just wipe away sin because that would be a violation of justice. When Jesus went to the cross, he took the penalty that we deserve for sin. So justice was paid, but it was paid at the cross so that we can have freedom in life. Interesting. You know, sometimes when I talk to somebody who's new to the faith, they're like, wow, this is a lot for me to take in. There's, there's legal issues. There's uh, logic issues. There's so many issues when it comes to God's method of doing things, right? And now remember, the millennial kingdom has passed at this point. If you remember, you follow the chronology. But in the millennial kingdom, it appears that the temple was a memorial. But here in this new creation, there is no more temple because God is He's everywhere now. He's omnipresent. But because there's no sin barrier, he's even closer. And again, he's trying to explain it. I'm trying to explain it. uh, But it's what you experience. It's going to be amazing. Uh, So it goes back to what we said last Sunday, the closeness of God. Now, and, and again, I'm one of those pastors that I don't like preaching a sermon that's so, um, let me scratch that. I don't preach a sermon that's pretend. Well, everybody can just walk on air every day, every moment. That's not the reality of this world. You know, when we read the book of Job, Pastor Paul's done a great job with the book of Job. Uh, Job struggled. You know, God himself says, Job's a righteous man. He's a, a good servant of mine. But then you see Job struggle with trials. And was God wrong? No, he wasn't wrong. He also knew Job's frailty. So, and as Christians, and I meet Christians, and they're almost afraid to say it to me, like I'm going to say, you shouldn't think like that. I feel distant from God. You can say anything you want to me. You can feel whatever way you want to feel. Job felt a certain way, and Job was frustrated with his condition. When we get into this new dispensation, that's not going to be a thing anymore, right? So, so many, I should do a list of about a hundred things that won't exist anymore, which is great when we get into this new creation and this new dispensation. It's very exciting. Um, I'll just say this. We will experience God's presence on a much deeper level there than as Christians we experience on a good day here. Let me repeat that. We will experience God's presence on a much deeper level than there than as Christians we experience here on a good day. 
Not only will it be deeper, but it will be more lengthy. You know, and, and somebody was telling me, um, he did some work on my house. He was a Christian and we, we got into a discussion. He goes, I think I experienced a miracle the other day. And he's telling me the story about this epiphany that God shared with him. And, and I rejoiced with him. I rejoiced with him. It was even something that God taught him. It wasn't even like a, you know, a pot of gold showed up. <laughs> this was something where God, he was going in a direction with good motives. And God taught him something about where he was. And he was so excited. And I was excited because I felt his excitement. So we do experience those awesome things, but it's going to be expanded and it's going to be unending when this happens. So verse 23, we continue. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated it and the lamb is its light. So three out of four is that no need of the sun or moon to shine in this new Jerusalem or probably for that matter anywhere in the new creation. The glory of God and the lamb are its illumination. And we're starting to see a pattern here. The pattern is that there's nothing to distract us from our relationship with God. Now, hopefully you're into the message. Some of you, small percentage, might be trying to pay attention, but something that happened recently is bothering you. Something that you have to do this week is bothering you. So in this world, in this part of the, where we are in this fallen creation, there's always distractions. As soon as you walk out of this church, you can go to get something to eat. You could be distracted by something. I will tell you what, you turn on the evening news, you are definitely going to be distracted by people who want to distract you, you know? And then we start to get, we get you ever watch TV and you start, I'll watch maybe, I don't watch a lot of TV, but then I'll just, you know, I'm like, I just turn it off. It's because I can start to feel it change my mood. I'm being distracted. You know, I need to go do something else <laughs> or call somebody that I haven't talked to in a while, whatever the case may be. This world is filled with distractions. However, the pattern here is God's like, I'm not even going to give you an S-U-N. I don't want you to be distracted by that. I don't want you to be distracted by a sin-marred creation. I'm going to remove that. God's attitude is it's just me. Enjoy. And he's God. So I'm looking forward to that. Genesis 1.16, let's go all the way back to Genesis. It says that God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And I love the people who criticize the Bible, and, and we didn't really know this until space travel and telescopes and stuff. They'll say, aha, the moon doesn't give off its own light. No kidding. If you look into the Hebrew, what God was saying was the sun give, gives off its own light, it comes from within, but the moon reflects the light of the sun, and therefore it's a lesser light. It says it right in the scripture. So that's the way God designed it. And it has a lot to do with the pineal gland and circadian rhythms and sleep-wake cycles. The moon should not be as overpowering as the sun. That's why people in Alaska and, and some of these places have difficulties with all the hours of daylight. Science always catches up with the Bible, doesn't it? God's system works perfectly. Now, I love the S-U-N, but I'm not going to be disappointed. Right? With God's presence comes God's glory and fulfillment. And folks, we, we get into these even discussions and people say, well, what if, you know, you know what it is as human beings, we, we're creatures of habit. It has to do with our brains. Our brains like habits. 
That's why addictions are so hard to break. The brain gets into these routines and there's neural digging and there's uh, chemical changes and you can teach your brain to do anything new and it'll do it. It'll oblige you. It's, it's like a supercomputer that God gave us to fit in our skulls. <laughs> so we, we like, we're creatures of habit. We like routine. And, and again, I, I don't judge anybody, but people say, well, so there's no more sun. Wow. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Trust me. You're going to feel great about it. Well, there's no more this and there's no more that. And what about this? I got to be honest with you. If ever I start going in that direction, I have to think to myself, whatever God provides is going to be so much better than what we deal with here. Amen. I mean, this is God we're talking about. Could you imagine getting there and, you know, there's like a complaint department. All the redeemed come to God and say, you know, this, this isn't working right. You know, I don't like the color of that. Uh, you know, it's, it's green when it should be blue. It's, please. So, you know, sometimes I have to it's self-talk. Say, all right, dummy. I'm talking to myself. It, this is God we're talking about. So, But we get into this because we're creatures of habit. Even, check it out, a little psychology here is some people get into cycles of dysfunction, right? And they are creatures of habit and dysfunction. And you try to rescue them, do an intervention or whatever, for whatever it is, but they want to stay in their dysfunction. That's how strong habits are and routines um, so even the best believer can get caught up a little bit in, there's no sun. I, I hope, you know, I mean, at the end of the service, somebody might text me and go, there's no sun, question mark. And, and I have a lot of people with a sense of humor that watch. So I'm sure, I'm, I bet you there's a text right now that says, there's no sun, question mark. And I'll send the smiley face emoji to them. Emoji, ooh, I'm learning the language. <laughs> so <laughs> verse 24, I hope I said that right. Correct me if I didn't. Uh, it says, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. So four out of five is the saved nations walk in the light, and the kings bring their honor to it. Now, this is a little tough, and sometimes, I mean, we're, we're, on, a, we're on a roll here. Things are going pretty smoothly, and then you kind of come into a verse like this, and, you know, and then you talk to other Bible teachers, and you're like, what, what's your take on this? So every once in a while, we hit a little bit of a speed bump. Who are these people? Are these the nations that in the millennial kingdom at the end when there was that last battle against God inspired by Satan that they sat out and said, no, that's crazy. You know, God's been good to us. You know, they and, and they get maybe saved uh, toward the end of the millennial kingdom. And those are the nations that um, he's talking about. Uh, so it's. It, I, I'm probably reading too deep into it. Just suffice to say that it's similar to those ancient practices where, you know, the monarch would receive, you know, a good monarch would receive the, uh, the heads of state of the different nations to come and make that pilgrimage to honor that monarch. Um, now, this is, of course, God. So he's the best leader we could ever have. Um, some have speculated that... And let me just caution you, we don't know, but some have speculated that uh, God creates a new order of species, you know, right? He has the angels. They're very different from us, totally different. Different rules even apply to soteriology. Um, you see the living creatures in, you know, the early parts of Revelation 4 and 5. They're before the throne. They seem different than the angels. And then you have humans, right? And then you have animals, so God 
busy, you know, plant, vegetation, like he creates all these different orders, uh, but is there another order? Does he start again and create another species? I don't know. And we can't say definitively. Pastor Joe said, no, Pastor Joe didn't say. <laughs> I'm just throwing out there the conjecture that other people have, and I like to do that. So, you know, as like children, we, we oh, daddy, what's it going to be like? What's it going to be like? And he might just say, you'll see it when you see it, <laughs> but it's going to be great. You're going to enjoy it. So either way, the, the heads of state or the, you know, they, they pay homage to the potentate, you know, the sovereign, which is God. Verse 25 through 27, last few verses, its gates shall not be shut at all by day for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles, defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we can understand verse 27 because whether you got uh, the Apostle John in the Roman Empire, the culture was so decadent. But 2021, is the culture any better? With all our advances in technology and sciences and all the really neat things that we've developed as, as a human race, uh, we're still decadent as a culture. You know, it almost seems like the, in our culture, it almost seems like the people who do the worst things get the most accolades in our society, the more edgy, the more raunchy, the more, you know. So John understood, like we understand, God's like, listen, this is not going to be a thing in my kingdom. No lies. We see lies all the time, especially in the political realm. No, nothing, no abominations, nothing that causes a defilement will be in my new dispensation. And I look forward to that. You know, we, we, we're concerned for our children, you know, the small teens, um, 20s. And so we're always concerned for our children, no matter how old they get. But especially if they're young and impressionable, what are they listening to? What are they watching? Who are they following? It's a, it's a dangerous world. It's a dangerous culture when you know the things of God. You want your kids to be on the right path. But again, ultimately, they have that free will. So there's a lot of things here. Five out of five is the gates aren't shut. There's no night. There's nothing that defiles. And this, to me, speaks of security, right? When I was in the, in the world working, um, I was trained in security surveys. I did commercial, residential, and you know, light was a big thing, occlusion from windows, um, locks, all that kind of stuff. You know, I would, they would send me to uh, a person's house. They just moved in. They said, hey, we'd like the security survey. We do it for free. And um, security is a multi-billion, probably a multi-trillion dollar industry when you think of security in a world. Listen, there's no utopia, folks. I know political people have been trying to make utopia since, since the Tower of Babel. Okay, since the beginning of time, there is no utopia. There are bad things that happen in this world. So security, there's no country that says, oh, we don't have to worry about security. Now we have to worry about security in our computers, hackers, right? And you got to keep the bad guys out. You got to keep them from stealing your money and all that kind of stuff. So here, (laughs) it's not a problem. And there's no more night. Jesus said that the evil deeds are done by men, right, in the darkness, Right in the cover of darkness, and some, I tell you, people are so brazen today that you're starting to see videos of people committing crimes in the light. But normally, you wouldn't want your identity to be seen. So again, it shows you where we're going as a culture, where people are doing daytime brazen things, and they know they're being recorded, and they just don't care. 
So this is, this is what you have going on. Walls, gates, doors, locks today. Um, it's not a problem there. You know? It's not a problem there. So then the logical question, Pastor Joe, is why are there gates, walls, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to go back to what I said last Sunday, that memorialization. You know, the gates are always open. There's no night. There's nothing that comes in in the file. So, you know, you, when you go to bed at night, hopefully you lock your front and your back door, right? Your, your windows are, are locked, especially in your kids' rooms. I'm kind of moving into the security thing, right? But that's unfortunately the world we live in. But here, it's not an issue. They're there, but they're open. You know, there's no soldiers. There's no police. Romans 13. Um, we have an imperfect system here. But there, it's not going to be an issue. And there's no night. So this, this thing I enjoy because I've always, since my uh, late 20s, I've struggled with sleep issues. I actually had a major surgery for sleep apnea many years ago. And, uh, you know, sleep is, is the bane of my existence. I'm always trying, you know, I bought like a tryptophan and you try all these things, you know, a pillow toppers. I get pressure points in my shoulders and it's like Pastor Joe, that's too much information, but, but I like this and I'm really looking forward to this because sleep is a pain in my butt. Um, there's no night. How does that change things? Because now check this out. There's like a, a circuit in the human physiology. Light comes in. Uh, it's received by the eyes. It travels up the optical nerve into the brain. The pineal gland is in the base of the brain, and when there's a, a certain perception of light, it, it shuts down its production of melatonin and certain hormones that it secretes. When the light drops, that's why they say, here, I, I, I give you a lot of good information from the pulpit. You really shouldn't be on your computer within a few hours before going to bed because that blue light does something to that whole system which can cause your sleep to be interrupted or to delay the melatonin process that's natural through the body. I, so I have some nurses here. I have half a dozen right now, so you guys can correct me if I'm saying anything that's wrong. Um, that The sleep-wake cycles, the circadian rhythms, really, uh, they do a lot as far as giving us rest, giving our brain rest, right? At physical healing, growth hormone is released at night. And it's a healing chemical that helps the body repair itself. So when you go to sleep, a lot of things happen that you don't realize in your brain, in your body. And God designed it that way so that we can hopefully wake up in the morning, refresh, start our day. And then when we wear out by night again, we go back to bed and the cycle just keeps taking place. But in this new system, none of this stuff is needed. And again, to me, that's going to be great. Um, sleep is kind of weird anyway. You ever think about it? Sometimes I'll, I'll lay there and just before I go to bed, I'm like, all right, I'm going to disappear. My consciousness is disappearing for a few hours. Will I wake up at four in the morning? Will I wake up at two? Um, don't drink too much water at night because then it'll wake you up earlier. You know what I'm saying? So like there's a whole system. It's to me, it's strange, you, you know, cause I like to be doing stuff as you can tell. I'm very energetic. So the thought of, all right, I got to lay here. I got to relax. And my consciousness, you know, goes off and, and then I open my eyes and it's light and I'm ready to get up. And I look at my watch this morning. I was like, <gasps> I overslept. So I had to, all right, it's not important. <laughs> really not important. So I went somewhere for the last few seconds. I apologize. Not to sleep, though. Um, so, but this is, 
But this is exciting to me, folks. Listen, you can all pick something out of here that ministers to you. The, the no sleeping and the no night thing. I'd rather be awake just hanging out with the Lord and the saints and doing stuff anyway. So, all right, let's go back to the message. The adjectives to describe God's coming kingdom. If, you know, hopefully you, what you got out of here was peace, protection, love, permanence, hope, intimacy, unimaginable, exceed, exceeds all expectations. But here's one, here's one word, rest. How many people here need a break? How many people here need a break? Come on, be honest. More hands. All right, a lot of hands are going up. Rest, right? Jesus, even in this world, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, he wants to trade packs and burdens with us because his is light. You know, when we come to the cross, a lot of times we carry a heavy burden. Sometimes people don't come to receive Jesus because they don't think that they're worthy. Maybe they grew up in an environment where they were told over and over again and believed that they're not worthy. Maybe something happened to them where they think they're not worthy. And that's sad because God doesn't want anything to hinder you from coming to him. You know, we do these calculations. But the truth is Jesus wants us to come to him. Right? We, we see this in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. So rest. I'm looking forward to that. Um, there's some enjoyable and fulfilling things that we can experience here. But the Bible says that we're passing through. This is not our permanent home. Right? Because of the ruination due to sin, staying here for, forever would be commensurate to God saying, I love you so much, I'm giving you the doghouse. It's small. It leaks when it rains. It's cold in the winter, but I love you. No. This is the doghouse, trust me. And it's not because of God. What God wants to give us is so much more incredible. He wants his people to have hope. He wants us to look forward to the future, no matter how bad things are getting right now. Listen, our culture is in a free fall. We have some of the smartest minds running the world, and our culture is still in a free fall. Because our culture largely, especially the people in power, have discounted the things of God. Right? I think of uh, even certain movements, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King. There were elements in his movement that said, we need to be more aggressive. And he says, no, I'm going to keep quoting scripture. I'm going to keep telling people about Jesus. And he goes, this is going to be a God thing. And it's going to change the hearts and minds of the people. And, and he did. But a lot of people are, are discounting that today, no matter what institution of the world we're dealing with. You know, even now, the Bible is getting canceled by cancel culture. You know, people are trying to suppress. That is a big, big mistake for our culture because there's scripture that addresses that, right? So we need to get on the right path. We need to get into a revival. God's people need to be praying for revival in our own hearts and in the hearts of the unredeemed. Let them see something about Jesus that's attractive. Let them discard their fear and their hate and their anger. For the things of love and peace and rest. And people have done that. Some radical people have done that. So it, it can happen. The worst thing that we can do as believers is watch TV, get angry, and start yelling and screaming. We need to go out there. We need to engage people. We need to love them. Because we have the power, folks. We have the Holy Spirit. We don't need a billion dollars. We don't need a warehouse. We don't need, you know, powerful friends in high places. Because we have... The living God and his Holy Spirit, isn't that exciting? So to me, my excitement comes from the fact that I know these things are true. And I want everyone I know 
right? Whether it's the trainer at the gym or the guy pumping gas or the girl bagging my groceries. And, you know, I'm just one of those odd people that love to talk to strangers. Because somehow, some way, I want to I I do something, right? We can't imagine the glory of God's kingdom being here. And sometimes when we, when we tend to say, well, we don't want the change, we're comfortable here. It's quite possible we've been desensitized or stained a little bit by this world. Because we're being deceived if we believe that. And again... In John 14, Jesus said, when he was telling his disciples, he's going to be crucified, raised from the dead, but he's got to ascend into heaven, that that tangibility that they had with him was, was going to transition. Jesus said this, he goes, speaking about going back to, the, to be with the Father, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. He's speaking to his followers. By extension, he's also speaking to us. He went to prepare a place for us. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. You know that there's denominations that don't believe in Jesus's return. They don't believe in his coming again. How can you be a Christian and not believe Jesus's words? He said, I will come again. Well, it's been 2000 years, Pastor Joe. Maybe he forgot. Maybe he changed his mind. God doesn't lie. And to God, a thousand years is as a day. Two days have passed. To him, it's not a very long time. But the more things unravel, the closer we are to his return. So he says, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus telegraphs 2,000 years ago in John 14, that when all this stuff is settled, in the end, Jesus says, where I am, you're going to be with me. We either believe the words of Jesus or we don't. And if we don't believe the words of Jesus, we have no business calling ourselves a Christian. Amen? Exciting things are happening. But let me just leave you with this. In order to end up there, (laughs) you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior here. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.